Good morning again, everyone. So today, uh, as I mentioned, we're, we're starting this three-week series on hope. You know, I, I was going to start this ser- uh, sermon out with kind of hoping for a lot of things and just kind of normal conversation, hoping, hoping that you were all glad to be here, hoping that the deacons were, that you were happy and excited about these new deacons, hoping that for, for warmer weather, you know, because it's this year and, and made it a little bit um, hard to really get some traction going in the new year. I know for me it has. Um, hoping for a Chiefs victory next week and a Super Bowl victory a couple weeks after that. And, you know, and kind of talk about hope and without even realizing it, think about how, how much we talk about hope. How, how much hope is really kind of all around us. We use it all the time. But then at the same time, our, our world seems so hopeless. Or, you know, when you look at the news and you read these things and, and, and when, when all these things are happening, people's reactions are, are one of hopelessness. You know, whether it's the shootings, bombings that are happening with the terrorist attacks or um, the, all the, the weather catastrophes and just the sky is falling kinds of things. Our world seems, seems so hopeless. Um, so, so today, uh, what I want to talk about, uh, and I want to really just share a few words that God has laid on my heart from his word, just where we can find true hope. I mean, for those of you here that, that maybe you're here every week, maybe you've grown up in church, you know Christ, uh, you, you probably know the answer, but, but living out that response to that, that hope that we have, I, I think is, is a lot easier said than done. And even in situations like we've experienced this morning already, you know, with, with very difficult, you know, there's a lot of unknowns and very scary things when they happen, our immediate reactions tell a lot about, about where our hope is and where our trust is found. And so we're going to talk about that today. And, and so I hope no matter what place you may find yourself in, whether, whether you're a, a follower of Christ, whether you're more of a skeptic or uh, even about the situation with, with one of our uh, dear beloved uh, church members and brothers in Christ with Dave, I, if you're feeling hopeless, I, I want to I just encourage us today. I mean, I don't, I don't have any grand flowery words, I think, that will lift our spirits. But, but I think the truth of God's word, and, and when we really think about it, remind ourselves of it, I, I think that can really help us today. We're going to be in, in the book of First Peter, and look at a few verses in this chapter, uh, chapter 1, starting with verse 3, and we're going to look at kind of four characteristics about true hope, four characteristics that I think will, will help us uh, deepen our understanding about this hope that we have believers and that we should seek after. We'll start in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, I'll have it up here on the screen. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So we see here, first, that this true hope, this, this hope that, that we have, it's built on the gospel. We have a hope that is built on the gospel. Now Peter, as he writes this letter, he's writing this letter to, to a bunch of believers, people like maybe most of us in this room. He's reminding them of this hope that they have. And he, he refers to it as, as a living hope, you see there in verse three. Now, now when we think about hope, and you know, I've already kind of talked about the different ways we use the word, we hope 
you know, we're hoping for the Chiefs to win, we're hoping that, for, that you have a good day, all those kinds of things. Um, that, that's more of a, a wishful, hesitant, kind of uncertain kind of hope, the, the way we often use it on our human terms. But the Bible doesn't talk about hope this way, thankfully. The, the, this living hope that, that Peter's talking about, it's a certain, it's a confident, assured expectation rooted in the living, resurrected Christ, as it says here in this verse. I mean, it, it finds its rootedness and its foundation in Jesus. Now, we have this unshakable hope for the future, and just as Christ was raised from the dead, uh, we, too, get to look forward to our own resur- future resurrection and our victory over death. You know, I think this is um, one of the things that, the, the biggest difference is that, that true hope that is built on the gospel um, and it affects us, is, is that our, our fear of death, our worry about what might happen to, to us or, or to, to a, loved member, a loved one or to a member of, of our family or whatever, you know, this fear that, that sometimes tries to creep in and consume us. Um, the hope that we have when it's built on the gospel of Jesus, the good news of, of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, uh, that, that just kind of wipes away and pushes back that, that darkness of fear and worry. You know, it, he also goes on, as he talks about this living hope, he, he uh, refers to it also as kind of an inheritance, an inheritance in verse four. Um, he describes this inheritance, which is, uh, he, uh, you know, as a kind of another word for the gospel as he's using this good news, this inheritance as imperishable, undefiled, unfading. So it is untouched by death. It's unstained by sin and it's unimpaired by time. So, so we, have, we have this gospel, this gospel of Jesus, the, he, that he was born, lived a perfect life, died uh, and paid the debt for our sins on the cross and was raised to, the, uh, to life three days later. This, this good news uh, of God's redemptive plan coming, kind of coming to fruition through Jesus, it's death-proof, sin-proof, and time-proof, as it says in this verse. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't really compare even to our human understanding of inheritance. You know, we think about, oh, you know, some family member passes away and they leave a big chunk of money or a big chunk of material possessions or whatever. Um, you know, it, this doesn't even compare to that. And, you know, I think it's, it's important for us to understand the, just the richness of, of what the gospel provides and how it really does uh, provide such a solid foundation for our hope to, to kind of live out from. In verse five, he talks about the salvation, really what the gospel is all about. Um, he describes it in kind of a future sense. If you look in the end of verse five here, he says, you, know, you are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So he's talking about salvation in the future. And, and the Bible talks a lot about salvation, um, but it, it kind of talks about it in, th- in three different nuanced ways, kind of as a past work, a present reality, and a future reward. All the same salvation, but, it, but it's talked about, in th- and you look at different verses, whether it's Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that talks about, for grace you have been saved, or 1 Corinthians 1, 18, that says, talks about those who are being saved, kind of in a more present sense. And then Romans 5, 9, and, and there's others that talk about we shall be saved sometime in the future. Now, this, this doesn't mean that you know, we aren't, aren't saved at, at conversion, and we, we can experience that, that past work of Jesus that's been done with our justification and adoption into God's family. But we also, in a lot of ways, experience salvation continually on a daily basis through our sanctification, our process of being made holy and being made more like Christ. 
And then also our, our eternal security, our perseverance in the faith, um, that, that God keeps us and holds us. And then as Peter talks about it here, our glorification, our future reward that we get to look, look forward to. Um, this, this is what our hope is built upon. This is what our hope um, is just founded upon. It cannot be shaken. It cannot, you know, we, we, talk, we sing the song Cornerstone a lot as a worship song. It talks about how our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And it's just so true. It's so true. You know, we, we sing it sometimes without thinking about it. But we, we can sit here today and no matter our circumstances, and I know a lot of you are, are going through challenging times. You, you've got, uh, whether it's the loss of job or, or people, just severe health issues. And we think about you know, what happened to Dave, and obviously that's on the forefront of a lot of our minds. And, and even in the midst of that, that we can, we can kind of anchor ourselves. You know, hope is kind of like that anchor. That, that, and we, we want to be tossed. And you know, I want to sit up here and cry like a baby. And I want to, I, there's a lot of things that I've kind of, just kind of mixed emotions and just you, you want to mess us up. But we, and it's fine to show emotion and all that. But, but our anchor the anchor for our soul, that hope that we have, it's rooted in the gospel of Jesus. And we can never forget that. And if you are here today, and I, and I want to just take this moment to you know, really um, encourage those of you who, who may be here today that uh, uh, don't have that hope, that, that have never accepted the gospel. Um, there, there's no better day than to, than to do that today. And we, we have ways for you to do that. You can come talk to us. You can pray a simple prayer, just acknowledging the work that Jesus has done on the cross. And, and to make that decision, you can check a box in the back of your connection card to, and we'll be happy to follow up with you about that or answer any questions that you may have. But we would love the opportunity to, to help you in that way. It's the, it's the best decision uh, any of us have ever made or that you could make. Second characteristic of hope I want to talk about today is, is found in verses six through nine. Um, so let's look at those verses together. It says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it has been it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So we see here that true hope, it's going to result in a joy-filled life no matter our circumstances. You know, as I mentioned earlier, this letter is written to believers, believers that were scattered across the area of what's modern-day Turkey, um, and, and they were they were undergoing some persecution of various kinds, whether uh, just you know all, all different kinds of uh, verbal harassment, general discrimination because of their Christ, Christian faith. Um, in some ways, it, it mirrors a lot of what's going on today, and and not so much yet here what's happening in America, but all across our world, people are being um, persecuted for their faith. And you know, as as our culture continues to kind of uh, slide away further and further from God's word, from his truth. Um, this is become, becoming a reality for, for many of us, even here in America, of, of our um, just kind of being looked down upon for our Christian faith. And so we need to be ready. And, and Peter t- talks to them. He, he starts out with this, in this you rejoice. And he's saying, in this 
in these truths that we've just talked about, in, in the hope that is, is built on the gospel, in, in our inheritance, in this living hope, in the salvation, in this, you rejoice. And, and it's not like he, he's, he's not commanding them to rejoice. He, it's, it's basically stating like a need, it's like a knee-jerk reaction. They can't help but rejoice because of, of what they've just uh, heard and seen and what they've experienced through Christ. You know, and he also, he, in that same, same sentence there, he acknowledges that they, they are being grieved by various trials. And I, I really appreciate the, the little, um, though now for a little while. You know, he kind of sets the perspective. Though now for a little while, um, you know, for those of us who, who have been through difficult times, which I think it's probably everybody in this room, uh, to some level, to some degree, when you're going through a challenging situation, it doesn't feel during that time like it's a little while, does it? I mean, it, it feels like it's going on forever. And, and it, but, but he really gives some perspective here and, and helps them understand that, that these trials, that they have a purpose and that they are testing the genuineness of their faith. God is using these things to kind of refine them, to refine their faith um, so that at the end they can express more joy um, through that faith. You know, when I, when I think about joy and the word joy, I, I, I want us to just think for a moment what it looks like to, to live a joy-filled life what it looks like, um, or what does it mean to be a, a joy-filled church as we, as we um, live our lives together. You know, uh, you know, joy doesn't necessarily, you know, yeah, I think it can kind of vary what it looks like based on our personalities. It doesn't, it doesn't always mean bubbly and excitable and all those sorts of things. It certainly could, certainly could, but, but I think it, it's referring more to kind of an emotion that, that comes from our soul um, that is produced out of this hope that we have. It's, you know, when we, when we experience traumatic events, when we experience traumatic things that, that really can shake us to our core, and maybe should, you know, if, um, and maybe they should without Christ, but, but with him and with the hope that we have, um, we, we, we can hold steady, we can keep our perspective, and, and realize that while, while we may be sorrowful, while we may be sad at times, it doesn't mean that, that our joy has been stolen away. Nothing should be able to steal our joy away because we talked about We talked about that inheritance. It's death-proof, sin-proof, time-proof. I mean, there, there's not many other things that, that are as big as those things, and if it, that, none of those things fades our inheritance and this true gospel that our hope is built upon, then, then I think we're, we're sitting pretty good. We're sitting pretty good, and we can be confident of that. So, so this morning, I want you to, to really think about that. How, how can my life be characterized more by joy? How, how can I show joy? You know, I th- think we have the opportunity in, in our current political climate, in our current culture, where, I mean, a lot of things are doom and gloom, right? I mean, people, people are worried about pretty much everything. Every potential outcome, every potential thing that could happen, it, it, you know, we just don't know. We, we just don't know. People are throwing up their hands and, and uh, preaching doom and gloom and, you know, complaining about everything. You see that all around, um, especially with social media and things like that. You know, we can kind of get that 24-7 almost. But as Christians, what should our, what should our attitude be? I, I would suggest, I mean, based on this, as we see in this passage and throughout all of Scripture, that we should be able to rejoice no matter our circumstances, no matter what's going on. We should be able to, to always come back to God is in control, God knows what he's doing, and I can trust him. You know, I, I don't know how, how people 
um, outside of Christ can, can really go through life. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing because when, when you go through difficult times, and we all do, that you know, having Christ as that hope and that anchor for our souls, it's just such a, such a, a comfort to know that, that no matter what happens, uh, we'll be okay, we'll be okay. Even if we aren't okay in this life, we'll be okay. We'll be, it'll be okay. And, and, and I think to, to hear those reassuring words from, from Scripture, it, it's just so comforting. And it kind of helps get our minds off of our um, kind of temporary um, kind of a setting here. I mean, we're, we, we like to think of everything here as kind of permanent. You know, some of you have solid jobs and you, you've lived here maybe for 20 years in Kansas City and you're gonna, you know, you have plans to live here for the next 20 and everything's so kind of rock solid, but, but we just don't know. We just don't know what today, what tomorrow might hold, but we, but we don't have to. We, we, can, we can trust God and have joy no matter what happens in, in, in the future. So I would, I would challenge you, as, as a believer especially, for those of you who claim to follow Christ, to live out that example of a joy-filled life and to, to really, um, you know, if, for those of you who may be struggling in that area, you're just like, I, you know, I just don't feel very joyful. I just, I don't feel joy. It's hard to, you can't really manufacture joy. You know, you can kind of fake, fake happiness and fake some things and on the outside, but if you're not feeling uh, joy, you, you, it, you can't just manufacture it. Um, one thing that I've, I've found very helpful in, in different seasons of my life is, is really just to preach the gospel to yourself. Preach it over and over and over. Um, I've got a, a really good devotion. It's a 365-day little prayer devotion that basically um, you just read through these prayers. And it's, um, I think it's by a guy named Scotty Smith. But basically it really is just kind of preaching the gospel. He's preaching the gospel to himself, and as I read these prayers, I'm kind of preaching along with him. And it's just, it's really um, helped me bring focus and perspective to my life and, and really kept me centered on that, that hope that we have in Christ. So I, I would encourage you to, to do something like that, whatever it may be, whatever you find, but find ways to just preach the gospel to yourself um, on a consistent basis. We all, we all need that. The next few verses... Um, as we get near the end, uh, verse 10 through tw- verses 10 through 12, I wanna, we'll look at those real quick and see what it has to say about our hope. It says this. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Now in this we see that our hope, a true hope, is something that we're privileged to experience. We, we are truly privileged to experience. And I won't spend a lot of time on, on these verses that we could really unpack them in detail and be here for uh, for days, and I know many of you don't want to do that, and neither do I, so we'll, we'll uh, just draw out a few points. One, I think a couple reasons that we're privileged to experience this hope is just the, the time frame that we're living in. We're living on this side of the cross, or this side, whichever way you're facing me, um, this side or this side. Like, you know, we, we, we have the opportunity to look back and, and have this unique ability to see God's hand move throughout history. We, we can see what he's done through the prophets, through the revelation of Christ, through the apostles even, in providing God's word to us. 
as believers, we, we, we are so privileged in that aspect. And, and then we're also privileged, in, in a sense, just to be humans, just to, in our humanness, to be made in God's image. Um, we, we are a, a special, uh, we were very specially created, um, even, even more special than the angels. As, as that verse said, it kind of, this picture of angels longing to look into what, we, what we're experiencing, even this hope that we're experiencing. I mean, it's kind of, it's just an interesting thing to think about. Like, we think of angels as these majestic, you know, beings that can fly and do all these cool things, you know, but but they, long, they can't experience salvation like we can as humans. And we're, we're so privileged to experience the, that hope. You know, and our, I, one other thing I want to mention about this too before our last point is, is, is our hope, as we are able to look back from, from where we are in history um, and even where we are in our lives individually, as we look back on God's faithfulness, that should strengthen our hope today as we look back on God's faithfulness and see, see how he has provided, see how he has come through, and, and probably in a lot of ways that we didn't think he would, or maybe not in necessarily in the ways that we wanted him to, but, but he was there, and he, he was with, with us, no matter what we've gone through. Um, and as we look back through, through how he has provided Jesus and sent his son to die on the cross for us, we you know, that strengthens the hope that we have. That should strengthen it and really make it rock solid uh, as we see looking back at his redemptive plan that's been, been in effect since the very beginning. All right, this last verse, verse 13 in chapter one, I think is, is, is pretty impactful. It says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now this is a, a great verse. If you do, you know, have a verse for the year, maybe a theme verse for the year or something. This is a great one. There's lots of other good ones too, but um, this this would be a great one. It's got a couple of really good challenges for us, um, and you know, especially in regards to our hope. As we look at this verse, we we want to um, we, we realize that what this kind of how it affects our hope is it, it's a hope that gives meaning and purpose for today. A hope that gives meaning and purpose to our day today. It's not just something we, ha- we get to look forward to and just have to suffer through today. Well, yeah, that hope out there, I'm, I'm gonna get there eventually. It just really stinks right now. No, it's, it's something that affects and it gives meaning and purpose to us today. So, so when he says, set your hope in that verse, set your hope, what, what is he talking about? It's in a lot of ways like setting your destination. You know, if you're out and about and somebody asks you for directions. So what, what's your first question back to them? Okay, uh, where are you going? Like that, you have to know where they're going in order to give them directions. So in that same way, we, in order for us to know how to live, we, we've got to know where we're going. We, we've, we've, we've just got to uh, figure out how, how to, to know where we're going and, and live with the end in mind. You know, we have to, have to live with the end in mind, where, where we're going to be, where our eternal home is. You know, I was... We were just talking with some friends yesterday about um, they're wrestling with a, just a decision they have to make uh, about um, potentially uh, bringing a child uh, into their family that uh, just has a lot of challenges, a lot of medical issues, and really would kind of rock this family's world. You know, they, it would change them drastically. They would have to make some big sacrifices potentially, and just a uh, you know, just a, it could be a, a pretty burdensome kind of thing for this family. And and as we kind of were talking about it, and they they were saying, you know, 
what, what we have to keep reminding ourselves is, you know, if, if we're not living for this life, if we're living for the life to come, you know, and this is just our, our temporary stop, you know, that, that's going to drastically affect this decision that we have to make of whether we, we do this thing or not. And, and I think for a lot of us, we just forget. We, 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 we get busy living our lives. We, we get distracted with, with a lot of good things, a lot of good things, but they distract us from the best thing and from the, the most important thing of our eternal perspective of realizing what, what God has in store for us one day and how every decision we make today should be in light of that. It should be in light of that. We, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We, we don't know what will happen. And so we, we need to live uh, with, with this um, kind of almost in a daily action of setting our hope on the future, setting our hope on Christ and living in light of that. He, he gives us kind of two, two ways to set our hope that, that can really help us set our hope. It says preparing your minds for action. So, you know, prepare, prepare your minds for action, Peter tells us. The verb here is really talking about kind of, it, it has this idea of girding up your loins. Girding up, gird up your loins. And, and obviously we don't talk like that much today and um, let's appreciate the, the New Testament, uh, kind of the translators for translating that to prepare your minds for action. We maybe can get that a little more. But basically, girding up your loins, back, back when they had tunics and, and my battery might be going. I'm good? Okay, you guys can hear me? I just can't hear myself. That's okay. Um, so, so girding up your loins, basically you, the guys who wore these tunics and when they would go to battle or go to war, they'd have to wrap them. I was going to bring one, but I'm glad I didn't. Um, so, and they basically got to bunch it up and tie it on their, their loincloths or whatever and, and kind of get it up and get ready so that they're ready for action. So, so what he's telling us here is to, to gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare your mind for action. Prepare your mind. This is part of setting our hope. You know, he, he, with this, what he's saying is this mental activity is primarily concerned with, with what we've just been talking about, with perceiving this world as temporary perceiving this world as temporary, and completely orienting our thought processes around the future hope that God has for us and that he will bring about when, when Jesus returns. I mean, this day that we look forward to, and the, uh, it's just a, an amazing thing that, that we, we need to be doing. We need to prepare our minds for action. We also need to be sober-minded. You know, th- this is the idea of, of being in control of one's thought processes. Um, it's the opposite of, of having clouded judgment. Um, where, you're, where you're not shifting to this place of you're in danger of irrational thinking. Um, but when you're sober-minded, he, Paul or Peter is telling us to set our hope. You, you've got to first prepare your minds for action, but then you've got to, to take care not to get carried away by any false doctrine, false beliefs, people, people twisting the truth just a little bit. Um, and, and there's a lot of that out there today. I mean, we... we in our culture, with um, the internet and which is technology, we're, we're inundated with with ideas, and in a lot of you know a lot of ways it's really good because we, we can get get good ideas out there and get the gospel out there in a lot of different methods and ways that we could never before. But there's also a lot of incoming messages that that are that are false, and they may not they they may seem good on the outside. They may seem a little more appealing to us as Christians. And you know, I even saw a quote. Um, just yesterday, I believe, and, and uh, that was at the, the Passion Conference, a big college ministry conference uh, held in Georgia just over the last few days, and one of the speakers there talked about how today a lot of people, a lot of Christians, uh, and, and, and in the coming days, are going to put down the Bible to be, become more like Jesus, and that's what they're going to say. They're going to they're put away the Bible and act more like, and to become more like Jesus, 
And we, we can't separate those two. When we begin to separate those two, our, our faith, our, the gospel, it, it just begins to, to crumble and it loses its power. It loses its authority. So we've got to uphold the Bible and we've got to live with this tension of truth and love. We can still love like Jesus and, and hold the truth of God's word at a high level. And we've got to continue to do that in, in the days to come. You know, I, I want to, uh, as we close today, and I, I hope today was encouraging. I know with the situation with Dave, it's, it's just kind of a weird day. It just kind of feels, feels strange. But at the same time, I, 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 I am grateful for the hope that, that, that I have, that, that, I, that I know Dave has, that I know that our church as a church body that we can have even in the midst of, of things like this. And, you know, I, I pray that uh, no matter where your life is right now, that, that you will um, just be, be encouraged to um, really lean into the gospel, lean into its truth, um, preach it to yourself on a daily basis. You don't have to, you don't have to stand up in the, your bathroom with a, a microphone and in the mirror and preach it like that. But just speak it to yourself. Read, read, spend time in God's word. Um, find, find something that you can do on a consistent basis, if not a, da- a daily basis, possibly, to, to remind yourself of, of the good news of Jesus, what he has done for us, um, what, what he has done for us, what he is doing for us, what he's doing in your life right now, and what he will do for you. I mean, we, we have so much that we can be hopeful about and, and, and have true hope. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we come to you again and are thankful that you, you hear us. And, and God, I pray that uh, you would uh, just, uh, especially this morning, help us to, to really um, feel that hope that, that we have in Christ. And God, I pray that that, that would result in a life full of joy. God, I pray that you would help us uh, even as we go through difficult times, as we go through just challenging circumstances, um, things that we don't like, things that um, maybe aren't even our fault, or things that just, just life's, um, life circumstances. God, we, we pray that we can, we can live with joy, we can live with the eternal perspective of really uh, a focus on, on you, uh, what you have for us, and then realize how that affects our decisions today. God, help us as we live with the end in mind and we live with, with what you've done for us in the past and as we live in this present tense. God, help us to, to realize the, the sacrifices, uh, the risks, um, and sometimes even to the world, a, a little bit of recklessness. God, that you call us to live by. God, that, that you call us. Um, God, help us to, to take, take steps of faith and to trust you in greater ways, to to rely on, on your Spirit's power each and every day in our lives. And it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.